Welcome to The Fine Line, Balancing Hedonism and Health. I'm Liz Willette-Daniels. And I'm Emily Gold. So we're here at Steamboat Food and Wine. We are doing a series of five live interviews over the course of the weekend. We're really excited to bring these to you. Stay tuned for these wonderful episodes with local chefs and distillers and so many interesting stories. Thanks for tuning in. All right. We are here (laughs) with Brush Creek Distillery with Andrew Lawson, the managing director, and Philip Munt, the head distiller and production manager. We're so excited to meet you guys. Thank you. We're happy to be here. We don't usually do whiskey before two o'clock, but you know, it's well, that's true. Let's not say we, but we're in Steamboat, so you know, no doubt. It's great. Um, So, will you guys start by telling us how you? got to the distillery and what your backgrounds are? Yeah, sure. So I was 18 years on the distributor side of the business, uh, wine and spirits in Kentucky. So I had an opportunity to work with a lot of distilleries, uh, wineries, as they were um, as they were growing over the course of the years. So I got an opportunity to see what people were doing right, wrong, and different. And um, when this opportunity presented itself a couple years ago, I just really hadn't seen anything like it. So I jumped on the opportunity to, yeah, to come out and build some brands. Okay. Are you from Wyoming originally or? Kentucky. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so I'm from Colorado, born and raised, and uh, I took a little time off and uh, did my undergrad in Switzerland and my master's in oh, Scotland. Oh, cool. And then worked in the industry for a little while on the East Coast and decided I wanted to get into production. Um, I was running bars and decided mm-hmm. the interesting part was the production part. Mm-hmm. So I uh, moved to North Carolina and earned my keep building boxes for a brewery and lived in a tent and uh, kind of worked my way through the brewing side and then moved back out to Denver uh, to be close to family. Uh, it was a distiller at Stranahan's and then started running production there. And I've done that for the past six years. Nice. And at Stranahan's. Andrew picked me up uh, last, last year. Yeah, last November. Okay. So we're really excited. We've got a, a great team up there. Philip's probably a little bit modest, but we took a, <laughs> we took a gentleman with two international degrees uh, running a city block facility uh, in downtown Denver and brought him up to uh, Saratoga, Wyoming. Uh, his first house is a town of 50 people just outside in, uh, in, in Riverside Encampment. Um, he's moved up to the big city now with about 1,200 people there. So um, it's, a, it's a great team that we've been able to build over the last year and a half. How many people work at the distillery? So there's eight of us. Okay. And uh, not too long ago, there were two of us. So, so um, it's grown. Yeah. We, we've hired some talent that, uh, that uh, has gone on uh, to other opportunities, but we've got a great group there now. Cool. What did you study? Uh, nothing related to distillation, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I studied poli sci and econ, cool. and then I did my master's in management. Okay. Wow. Well, but you were in Scotland, so you were just like in by osmosis kind of. <laughs> a- absolutely. Right. Uh, a few tours of a few distilleries, and then also flying internationally, you know, duty free really helps <laughs> you to uh, taste through some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely where the passion came from. Well, tell us about Brush Creek Ranch because, you know, I've done some, we've both done some reading on the website and it just sounds like such an incredible property. So we'd love to hear like, you know, the origins and all the other things that you guys do there. And yeah. So, uh, or that are done there maybe. Yeah. Right? So like what Brush- are the goals? Can we visit? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I think there's an invite in that, uh, yes. the gift bag that uh, I dropped off. 
So Brush Creek Ranch uh, was actually uh, started about 12 years ago. There was a, a family that um, that bought the property. Okay. I think it was going to be a little bit more of a retirement um, home for friends and family, and it, it grew. Uh, the, uh, the family's background is in the hospitality industry, and so uh, like everything else, they've kind of put their hands on uh, over the past few decades. They, uh, they did the same thing with the ranch. So they quickly took it from what was a family operation, and uh, it was just voted the number one luxury resort wow. in the West uh, by Travel and Leisure last year. Wow. It's typically, you know, a top 10 in the U.S. and um, probably around top 50 internationally. So it started out as a small project. It's quickly grown. Uh, our kind of piece of that is we're a separate entity, uh, the distillery and the brewery. But when they were building out uh, the farm at Brush Creek, it's a 50... What is it? It's, um, it's an Epicurean center. Okay. So I always jokingly say, you know, on this farm they had a, <laughs> a historian brewery, but they also have uh, an award-winning restaurant called the Cheyenne Club. They've got a 30,000-bottle wine cellar in a 96-yard tunnel uh, underground. They've got a pastry and bakery commissary. Jeez. A 20,000-square-foot um, kind of sustainable greenhouse. And so, so do all 1,200 people in the town work there? <laughs> no. There, there's about 300 people uh, at the, <laughs> the height of the season. But um, That's so cool. Yeah. And, and then the creamery as well. We have, wow. we have goats in the creamery. So, I mean, it's it's a 30,000-acre uh, ranch. Um, and there's multiple, like, sites on the ranch. And ours is called The Farm. Um, and there's the Lodge and Spa and McGee Homestead and uh, French Creek. Um, so there's a lot of collaboration across wow. the way. And it's, it's really uh, a lot of sustainability just across all the properties. They also have a, a Wagyu program that they've mm -hmm. developed. Um, and it's just beehives for honey and different things like that. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I think we were both drawn to the opportunity to work with so many different uh, talent, talented mm -hmm. folks, professionals, whether it's on the culinary side or, you know, the wine program, greenhouses, horticulture. It's... Um, yeah, it's pretty inspiring every day to, to kind of be in that environment. I bet. Well, you brought so many visual aids and things to taste, so I feel like, will <laughs> you did. give us a rundown of what you brought? Sure. So um, we'll kind of start with some of the clear spirits. We've got our Brush Creek uh, New American Gin. So it's um, not your traditional kind of big, you know, Christmas tree uh, juniper gin. This is uh, leads with juniper but it's okay. more citrus and botanical okay um, we're able to work with uh, the greenhouse on site they grow some of our chamomile cool. and coriander great and then uh, we also forage some of the juniper off the property Neat. as well as part of the incorporation into the gin so so that, that bag right there is coriander drying drying out can we smell it of course yeah <laughs> and then um, in addition we've got um, like our brush creek bourbon uh, our bourbon is uh, a blend of uh, three different straight bourbon whiskeys, uh, aged four to 13 years of age. Um, with our bourbon, some of the culinary talents, um, they're making, we've got bourbon barrel honey that we brought for you. Oh, amazing. Um, chef Keisha, who's the executive pastry chef, she actually utilizes our spent grain uh, from the distillery to make a spent grain bread. She uses some of Philip's uh, rye um, ingredients to make another bread. She makes chocolate whiskey truffles. That's so cool. Uh, she makes a bourbon barrel char ice cream. 
So she basically takes our char, once we've dumped the barrels, uh-huh. she'll make a cremon glaze overnight okay. and uh, kind of steep that with the char and then make an ice cream. And so those are just, you know, a few of the things that are out there, but it's kind of never-ending. But how it's, great that there's so many different modalities to, for everything to be used, you know? It sounds like there's very little waste, which goes with the sustainability theme of the ranch as well. Right. Is yeah. the goal to become a closed loop system or what are your ne- kind of next steps? I think mm-hmm. the goal, uh, what we all work towards is the collaboration part. Okay. And so we're able to play off each other's byproducts, you know, to create different fun things. So the collaboration is, is really what we work for okay. and the sustainability just comes with that. <laughs> it's kind of cool too because it's probably like maybe she wouldn't think to do a ice cream with bourbon or but it's yeah. like it's there as a it, it's sort of a like a catalyst for creativity so like the wagyu program um when they're cooking the meat at the cheyenne club uh, they'll cook on our barrel staves cool yeah. so nice uh, there's just grill. like uh, you know all sorts of ways to work together that's really cool in the creamery uh they have the the creamery and mesmo creamery and uh it's a, a dairy program as well They'll take our spent barrel char and actually age their chev, their, their goat oh, cheese yeah. with it. Oh, yeah, like an um, ash kind of. Yeah, and yeah. so it's wonderful. We have some of that at the booth for you as well. Oh, good. We'll come by. And they um, they also were making some milk-washed cocktails with it, which mm-hmm. uh, I didn't wow. get a chance to try. But, yeah, the, the creativity is uh, it's pretty off the charts. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. Are there collaborations that you have coming up in the future that you're looking forward to? We do. So uh, part of the wine program they have there is uh, 30,000 bottles of wine and numerous psalms on site has given us the inspiration to do some uh, wine cask programs. So the one we have here in front of us, uh, that is, we worked with Honig Cellars. Great. Uh, Honig was one of the first sustainable wineries in Napa. Mm-hmm. So when they emptied their Napa Valley cab, we expedited the barrels out to the distillery, put our Brush Creek bourbon in the uh, cask, and then have them aging on site. So the Brush Creek Honig Cabernet Cask Finished Bourbon, it's a mouthful. Wow. (laughs) Um, We'll be entering, uh, putting that into several markets uh, in the months ahead. We also have one with Chimney Rock. Um, Philip, the the rye barrel you've got? Well, that's not really a collaboration, but we do have a lot of experimental things going on. Um, As a distiller select for this year, I I took a, a rye blend that I made and put it in an uh, extra Anejo barrel. Cool. And that's coming out really cool. It's been in for about nine months, and I think it's about ready to go in, into nice. the bottle. And so. we, we just picked up uh, three barrels of uh, from Carboy, which is uh, in Colorado, and they've got a great program as well, so we can have a, a regional partner. Hmm. Uh, it's their Cab Franc barrels, so we just put some straight bourbon in those barrels about a week ago. Cool. Yeah. So and they're, they're here at Steamboat as well. I saw their They're right next there. to us, actually. Yeah. Cool. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you need a podcast to come do an in, you know, like a little stage at the... <laughs> yeah, at the ranch. We'll, where do, we can... we'll do a video exploration of the entire ranch. Exactly. Yeah. Test exactly. out the spa. We'll see. Exactly. Yeah. We'll make sure everything's working up to par. Uh, I, can, I can say I've been there for a little over two years. Yeah. And I'm still learning new things every day about, you know, places on the property that, that exist, like the, the Platte Canyon. You know, there's a cookout and just unbelievable things that are located on 30,000 acres. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. And they have... The, uh, the owner just put in a 
650-acre ski resort, too, private ski what? resort. So that'll give you some now additional I'm really inspiration. <laughs> right. So. Wow. Incredible. Um, so I know we saw on your website that you have a beautiful old copper still named Esther. Will you tell us the story about that still and why why she's named Esther? Sure. Uh, so it's kind of a two-part um, story. Uh, first of all, there's uh, ester oils that are created as part of the distillation process. It's um, kind of congeners and ester oils that are there. So for that reason, there's an ester. And then there's Esther Hobart Miller. Uh, Esther Hobart Miller was the first female justice of the peace. And uh, she's from Wyoming. Hmm. She was uh, appointed to that position during the women's suffrage movement. And uh, at that time, the justice of the peace uh, stepped down. And they replaced that individual with uh, Esther Hobart Miller. So, two part. Uh, Wyoming is the uh, equality state, first state to allow women to vote, and so uh, yeah, it has a lot of meaning behind it on both sides. Yeah, cool. I love that. Me too. So you work around alcohol, so do we. We understand. Like we've seen a lot. It's hard to always stay in balance. And it's always, it's the theme of our podcast. So we would love to talk to both of you about how you have, you know, have there been times where maybe you were a little out of balance and had to rein it back? Or have you, you know, how do you stay fit and healthy within working in the alcohol industry? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely jump on that. I don't know if I'm in balance ever, but... Well, who uh, is, right, but constant. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I definitely suffer from anxiety and there's a lot of crutches that you can use to sure. uh, to work with that and yeah. alcohol's one um you know there's other things other substances whether mm-hmm. prescribed or not you know there's exercise um so yeah there's always working on that balance yeah. of making sure everything's even and like on that note i mean i would give a shout out to my wife she's been uh, pretty public on her social media we just had a, a kid uh, months ago oh, nice. yeah. and uh you know working with postpartum yeah you know, if anyone's you know, got an issue, reach out, reach out to your, you know, your community, reach out to your doctor yeah. and, uh, you know, follow their advice. Yeah. Uh, and it's totally normal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how yeah. many people, you know, with uh, postpartum or anxiety, you know, suffer in silence and really, you know, it, it, it is widespread and, uh, yeah. There are a lot of ways to uh, go about that. So that's what I, I think say. there's a lot of shame around it because you feel like, well, I've just had this baby and it should be the happiest time of my life. But it's it's an equal parts magical mm-hmm. and the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. So also when you move yeah. your wife to uh, a town of fifty two people <laughs> yeah. during COVID in the yeah. winter in Wyoming, yeah, um, it's no you, joke. You, you add some stress to the situation. I so, bet. Yeah, certainly. Just I would recommend everyone reach out and. Yeah, and you know, if your doctor doesn't help, keep reaching out to other people. Absolutely. Right. You know, right. like, don't stop. Yeah. Yeah, I, thanks I think, for sharing that. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think on my side, um, having been in the spirits industry for 20 years, you you just see, visually, you see a lot, right? Yeah. For folks who uh, can't handle it, cannot handle it, or can balance things out well, um, you know, we both have families, and uh, we put our career, um, you know, at, at the, maybe not the top of the list, but... Uh, close Mm -hmm. and so you know we want to have healthy careers longevity and um, and and build brands the right way and so I think it's just kind of keeping that top of mind and realizing um, yeah every every morning you know it's a it's a fresh start and and, you know chasing after things so 
we, we put a lot of hours in, um, and there could be ways to abuse it, but I think just being mindful of what's most important um, and, you know, friends and family and that sort of thing. And, yeah, um, yeah seeing, you know, how it's uh, affected other people, you know, positively or negatively is, is, uh, is always good awareness. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good barometer to really be paying attention to the impact on people around you. Yeah, in our, our industry in general, just think about the hospitality industry, yeah. is, um, you know, it's it, it's uh, pretty prevalent, you know, the misuse of, you know, products out there. So trying to be mindful of that and uh, kind of spread that word as well. Well, it's kind of allowed. I mean, you know, I taste people on wine all day, and I definitely have people that don't spit. And it's like, you know, they're seeing eight of me in a day. Well, and I've had reps who don't spit. Yes. I mean, it's you both know? sides of things. A hundred percent. Was I one of those? No. <laughs> I mean, that was always at the end of the day. That's yeah. like, that's different. That's why that I saw your okay. five. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's really, it's, it's a cautionary tale to your point it is, is, you know, and like, I think we both feel like we, I never wanted to not be able to drink because I love wine so much. So how do you make sure you're always kind of staying ahead of, and you know, sometimes you stay ahead of it by becoming unbalanced for a while and then being like, yep, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, I, I read a really interesting article a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago about somebody in the industry and you know, there's just that, oh, it's this event, it's that program, it's, you know, on the distributor side, there's tastings, there's uh, a lot of just in-market activity. Mm -hmm. And the person kind of stepped back to say, you know, I'm going to sustain from drinking for, I think it was 30 or 60 days. And just what that kind of looked like, you know, from somebody in the industry taking a step back. And uh, it was it was an interesting article. Um, I know several friends in the industry that uh, they've never had a drop of alcohol. Wow. You know? And um, But they can speak, you know, to the product uh, with a lot of background knowledge. Uh, they're just really smart individuals. And uh, it's not something that you have to necessarily consume to mm -hmm. be able to promote. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. So, yeah. We know, we know a lot of people in the industry who are completely sober. They're, you know, they're great. They're, yeah. You know, either way is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's more awareness now though. Like, you know, people who do dry January or mm -hmm. it's sort of becoming more, more of the norm to even admit, Hey, it's good to take a break from this, you know? We, we don't necessarily promote that as uh, distillers and uh, folks <laughs> in the brand, uh, jokingly, but... Um, I don't either, my, by my the way. Do, makes my business go down. <laughs> but. Right. My, I have friends who do sober-ish September. Okay. You know, and I think that's, I a, like, that's their balance. It's like, yeah. yeah, like if it's someone's birthday. I'm endeavoring, you know, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So speaking of tasting notes, will you tell us what we have in these glasses that you brought for us? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Phil kind of talk through some of that. Um. So we're tasting our Honig collaboration. So we took uh, some of our bourbon. Um, we have a, a blend of three different types of bourbon. Um, Mashville has four grains in it. So corn, wheat, rye, and barley. And um, average age on the whiskey in there is probably around 10 years. Cool. And then we put it in a Honig barrel Okay. And as Andrew mentioned earlier, uh, Napa Vineyard Winery. And it's been aging for about eight months now. Yeah, about eight months. Eight months. Um, and so you just get a nice uh, wine cast add, add like a really cool ending to what is a already delicious bourbon. 
So it, I think a lot of the uh, the notes come through from that that Napa cab. So we were talking about some like cassis flavors. Okay, and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you have to nose it and uh, right. let, let us know what. Yeah, yeah. I do. I think that I do get the cassis. The cassis, yeah. and I think that wine barrels tend like can kind of soften the finish, you know, of a bourbon. It's like and, and they're more approachable too. I mean, we, we've seen that with the Scotch industry, mm-hmm. that people that are starting to get into whiskey always tend towards the the wine cask finish, the the port cask, mm-hmm. the sherry cask. Interesting. And uh, I think it's because you know we. Uh, a lot of us start on wine or beer, um, so it's more approachable. As yeah, it's like a familiar yeah, yeah. whiskey world. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we um, as we were building this team, uh, we were tasting through some products the other day as part of uh, our barrel program, and we you kind of look around and you got Philip and his background um, as that brewer and, and distiller. Uh, we've got another gentleman that just joined us. He was in uh, Michigan running uh, a large brewery program in 24 different markets uh, so he's got a great background as well uh, he was in the kind of food side of the business prior we have an assistant distiller that just joined us he's got two um, international culinary des- uh, degrees wow. so he's coming from it from that culinary aspect mm-hmm. um, myself uh, there's a gentleman uh, Sean Hogan Miller who we just hired he's got 20 years background in and around Denver and high-end uh, hospitality restaurants um, He's been up at the ranch for about two and a half years, and he just joined us, but he's got a psalm background, and he put together the 30,000-bottle cellar in the basement. Wow. So when you sit down and, you know, you start tasting through things with this group of people, it's pretty fascinating I to bet. hear kind of what, what comes about, you know, in the discussion. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what we're tasting now, this is a, it's an American oak barrel okay. uh, that Honig has. Um, the one we did with Chimney Rock, it's a, uh, it's a French oak mm-hmm. barrel. So just kind of going through those notes and different appellations mm-hmm. from, you know, where the wine comes from. It's, it's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah, delicious. It makes, it makes me want to work there. That sounds great. I know. <laughs> you, perfect you can come you. up when we're picking juniper. It's a great, great uh, experience. I would love, I, I actually <laughs> love gin so much. I love okay. every style of gin. I would totally come and pick juniper. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our, our gin is actually really interesting. He, uh, Andrew kind of mentioned a few things about it, but it, we call it a new American style. It's because we use two traditional styles and we combine them. So there's the two traditional styles. One is called maceration, which you all know on the wine side, mm-hmm. but it's, it's soaking the botanicals. And the other is using a gin basket where you're taking the vapor through more or less a tea bag. Huh. So we do a combination of the two where we soak our juniper and our coriander uh, for two days okay. in the spirit, and then we run it through a gin basket. Mm-hmm. And in the gin basket, we've got a bunch of botanicals. Uh, we try to source as many as we can from the greenhouse, um, but that's your chamomile, orange peel, grapefruit peel, angelica root, licorice root, cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like your sleepy time tea. It's yeah. good for you. Uh, yeah. 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 It's it's a d- digestive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. We- and we did an event last night uh, as, as part of the uh, festival. It was done at the Jace Romic Gallery. Uh-huh. Uh, we did a, called it a high country Negroni, but uh, it's great. You know, we were able to, to pick edible flowers from the greenhouse oh, as cool. our garnish. Um, you know, the, the old fashioned that we finished the evening off with had uh, our bourbon barrel aged honey, which uh, 25 gallons of honey from a local apiary, apiary oh, that we love. aged for about six months in the barrel from a freshly dumped bourbon barrel. So, uh, you aged the honey. We aged the honey, yeah. Cool. So, 
and that just added a little bit of that sweetness where the sugar cube would come in, you yeah. know, sort of thing. So, uh, but another way to add some natural ingredients into the mix. What other events are you doing this weekend at Steamboat Food and Wine? So we're here today, uh, last last night, the Jace uh, Romic Gallery um, with um, Chef Osaka, and uh, which was great to be able I to bet. partner with you I know bet. talents like that. Yeah. Uh, the Stoller Vineyards, uh, they were kind of the uh, presenting wine. Uh, earlier in the day, we were out at uh, Alpine uh, Ranch, and we did a, uh, a tasting for uh, a car club, just kind of a private oh, car neat. club. Huh. So, um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, Majority That's plenty. Yeah. 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 How's the grand tasting going? Are people asking questions? Do people know your products? Uh, I don't think they know our products, but a lot of good questions and a lot of interest. Um, I think it's kind of interesting walking around. There's a lot of distilleries. Yeah. Represented, a lot of spirits. Uh, we were talking, we are joking that it shouldn't be called food and wine. It should be called <laughs> food and spirits. Food, food and, and spirits. spirits. Yeah. Or, uh, or maybe just culinary. wine and spirits. Yeah. 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 We, we did... Um, we, we kind of had some fun with ours. We, we It's two booths. Uh, we made the second booth a little bit more interactive. So we you can actually walk in. You can see the botanicals. You can see, you know, the different projects that are taken, you know, collaboration projects that are part of ours. Cool. So I think it's great. So you're not just somebody standing in front of you and you're kind of giving that pitch. Right. It's a way for them to come in and really interact with the brand, which makes it a more interesting, you know, engaging experience. So. I also think they people might not know the distillery per se, but people in Colorado do know about the ranch because of you know friends that have gotten married there. Just it's got such a great reputation for that reason. So the name at least should draw them in, and then the product will keep them there. You know. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. we're hopeful that a lot of the visuals uh, that we can put out there uh, and the storytelling. Uh, we're we're in a, a beautiful place again. That's why most of us are drawn there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're building brands. Great. And uh, we've got some great product and a great group. And where do you sell in Colorado or can we find your products on your website? Yeah, so um, we are, we started in Wyoming. Uh, we're throughout the state of Wyoming. Um, we went into Texas. Uh, we're in about 300 retail stores in Texas. Nice. Great. Um, about 250 in Colorado. We, we've been in Colorado about four months. Yeah. Great. So. Uh, Republic National Distributing, who's, that's who I was with for 18 years. We partnered with them. They've oh, done a really great. great job of getting our product out in the market. Um, you know, Primrose here in, in Steamboat uh, is uh, part of that program. Great. Um, there's a lot of kind of small to medium size. You know, we're working on the larger, the Dave Coe's, Juggernauts, that sort of thing. Um, we mentioned last night that it's it's been tough. We launched a brand during a pandemic, yeah. right? So everything, at least I know, about your traditional marketing going you know going to market with a product, kind of dried up, mm -hmm. right? You couldn't do a lot of in-store tastings yep. to expose people to the product. There weren't as many appointments, you know, with uh, buyers and owners, um, and there weren't a lot of ride widths with yeah. you know your distributor reps. Um, and there were and two no of events like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's exciting. I think we're in a place now where we get a chance to get out and really promote what we put together um, as, you know, things are opening up and people are uh, obviously, hopefully, yeah, a little, little healthier in the long run. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it made one get creative. Like in Boulder, all our restaurants closed and I sell 70% to restaurants. So. Yeah. You had to get innovative and, you know, I mean, I think that's an, a good muscle to flex, actually. Yeah. But it's hard when you're launching. I mean, it's very different when you're already established and you have to get creative. 
So I feel for you. That's yeah. a big deal. I think I think we've done a good job of it. You know, yeah, it's, good. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, phone calls. There's uh, you know just kind of Zoom. hitting the streets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and telling the story. So, yeah. And again, a great uh, a great team, uh, distributor team. Uh, we've got a broker team as well. So a lot of support out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we always like to end with something you're excited about, and this can be, you know, societal, cultural, global, personal, anything. And we'd love to hear what you guys are excited about right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I've got a, a 14-year-old son. He just entered high school. Um, so that's kind of a, a big kind of, you know, stepping point for him. Yep. Start to watch some of that maturity kind of to play out, um, hopefully quicker than it has <laughs> uh, but uh good kid just really excited for him to see that next stage of kind of growth and uh uh be involved uh with with what's happening in his life and kind of preparing for that next step you know in the years ahead so to me personally that's uh that's uh top of the list mm-hmm. um professionally i think just continuing to build a brand yeah um, after 18 years of helping other people build brands mm-hmm. uh this is a great opportunity to step out and really have some fun and um, you know whether it was Phil Sean Dylan any of the guys that uh, worked for us um, you know I said hey I had a lot of fun the first 18 years Uh, I'm gonna have you know a lot more uh, in the next 18 and I I think we want to we want to promote that as a fun place to work and uh, support each other you know professionally and personally great so yeah I mean I would have to repeat a lot of that (laughs) you know I have the new sons yeah that's it's pretty exciting yeah. just a new family and we just got a house and everything so Great. just kind of building this small family on yeah. a personal level and then professionally I think I'm most excited about having a team um, we were a little sparse there for a little bit and a lot of demands and the demands don't stop but uh, having some talent and some backup and um, it's really nice to be able to be here and call in to the distillery and ask them to do something and uh, they having someone there to do it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, like having support and building support. a team. Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, totally you know, exciting. the work yeah. family is another family too. Yeah, of course. you're right. And so, um, yeah, if you don't have the family at work, you know, it, it draws on your family at home too. Sure. So. Yeah. You're right. That's yeah. a really good point. That's very well said. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's, that's good. Uh, that's on top of the list for us. You know, one of the things that was really important as uh, it's kind of going through in, in hiring the talent is to make sure that everyone realized, you know, where we're located, you know, bringing somebody in from downtown Denver yeah. to a very remote area uh, of Wyoming, South Central Wyoming. Uh, you had to make sure that you had the right talent and the mindset to be there. Uh, so this group is, you know, Sean is an avid fly fisherman and, and skier. Um, you know, we've all got different passions and uh, it's, while it's not steamboat, it's uh, it's just a beautiful part of the country. Yeah. Uh, our tagline is true spirit of the American West. Mm. And so it's something that we really celebrate in, in everything we do. And so uh, both, I went to CSU, uh, so both of us being, you know, having time in the West, it's great to, to get out and just soak it all in. Yeah. yeah. 
It whenever sounds pe- amazing. Whenever people ask me if Colorado is part of the Midwest, I say it's the wild, wild west. <laughs> it is. It's exactly. It's southwest. No, it, it, yeah. it's the west. It's there's the, the Midwest, west. Yeah. And there's the west coast. It's and the we're, west. We're the west. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 I love that. I also love how many people we've spoken to this weekend who have mentioned their kids getting into new phases of life as something that they're really excited about and looking forward to. It's been very sweet. Yeah. I think this, I mean, there's the new age then that's like the you know such a trajectory and then i have a sixth and eighth grader and they're both at a new school and it's just it's like it's a special moment i think when you've gone through following a kid around and you know now you see them really becoming their own human it's yeah it's cool but it has been a big theme and it seems like there's a lot of transition Mm -hmm. i also think like the kids weren't in school for so long that just that alone is like everyone is so much happier I never thought my kids would appreciate school. So it's nice to see that. Right. Right. That is a positive aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It it was actually almost like good for them to lose it and be like, oh, maybe it's not so bad, actually, (laughs) because this online stuff stinks and we still have to do the work. Right. You know, that's great. Well, thank you guys so much. This is is delicious. And I love all of the visuals and hearing about where you source things and all the different collaborations. And Emily knows I'm obsessed with honey. Like it's like yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. And she gives me honey. And my so this is these. like, this is yeah. Thank you. So an old. I'm excited about all the things, but the honey for me yes. is like tell really us, that. Tell us the honey old-fashioned recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, last night uh, we just used uh, it was a, a smaller amount of sugar for the sugar cube, um, so it wasn't cloyingly sweet. Uh, but then we drizzled the uh, bourbon barrel honey on top of that. Cool. Uh, we used some bitters. Uh, we had an orange uh, slice, uh, Luxardo cherry. Um, then we put our, we actually used our Brush Creek Chimney Rock cab finished uh, bourbon on that product or in that product. Um, and then topped it with just a little splash of water and uh, after we muddled it up and uh, it was yummy. Amazing. It was great. We had a, uh, I think we, we acquired a lot of new uh, Brush Creek uh, followers. I and bet. As a yes. result, we did a Campari again with the uh, the edible flowers on top. And, you gotta uh, sell and a little. Grower, not a Campari. Gotta a sell a little Campari, kit yeah. or something. Yeah, so it's yeah. fun. That's, That's awesome. Great. Thank you, and thank you for all of the gifts. We're yeah. so excited for our Brush Creek stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you so much. This has yeah, been great. Thanks for having us. Of yeah. course. Thank yeah. You. There's such a, a there's an invite in there for you to come up. And <laughs> all right. Join us. So um, Don't we, we should do one of these. Be careful what you again wish for. Up there. <laughs> I mean, we we will be there in like one month. I know exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Yeah. yeah thanks again. Appreciate thank you. It.